And so this morning, we are concluding our series, Juicy Fruit. And uh, as Pastor Herbert said, we're going to look at self-control. And the title of my message is Out of Control. The title of my message is Out of Control. Because when we don't have self-control, our lives will be out of control. The reality for many of us is we have areas, behaviors, activities in our lives that we are absolutely almost powerless over. For some of you, your spending is out of control. It's that little plastic card in your wallet or purse with the little Visa or MasterCard in the corner. And you can't control it. Matter of fact, some of you, if I pulled out your credit card and held it in my hand, there'd be some heat coming from that card. You're just swiping that thing just so many times. And uh, for others, your eating may be out of control. And it's not simply a matter of a little Krispy Kreme or bonbon here and there. Uh, these struggles are complex. For some, it's overeating. 40 to 80 million Americans suffer from compulsive overeating. Anorexics, on the other hand, fear eating. Uh, they fear that even by smelling food, they're going to put on multiple pounds. Bulimics, on the other hand, choose to eat and eat well, only to purge that food by self-induced vomiting, creating a vicious cycle of eating and purging and eating and purging that seems impossible to break. For others, sexual addictions are out of control. We now have young kids now who are controlled by internet porn and, and, and sexual addictions. Tons of people having sex out of marriage. Then there are those who mouths are out of control. The book of James teaches that the tongue is a small instrument, yet it does enormous damage. From foul language to tearing people down, our tongues can be out of control. See, the possibilities are limitless for behaviors that are out of control. From workaholics to television watching, internet obsessions, sports, romance, relationships, success, and so many more. See, all of us struggle with something that controls our lives. And we wonder, is there a power that is available to us that can free us from the power of the things that we can't get control of? The answer is yes. It's the power that we've been talking about throughout this series, the power of the Holy Spirit. Our main text for this series has been Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so this morning, I want to share with you three steps to have the Holy Spirit produce self-control in our lives. Three steps we must take to have the Holy Spirit produce self-control in our lives. The first step we must take is we must admit that we are powerless. We must admit that we are powerless. See, we will never get help until we are ready to admit that we need it. And for many people, this is the hardest step because it's humbling. It's hard to admit to God. It's hard to admit to others. It's hard for us to say, I am out of control. I can't do this. I, I, as much as I'd like to think I'm in control, I'm not. I have a problem. It's hard for us. It's humbling for us to admit those things. We don't like to admit that we have issues and that we have problems. 
There is also a pride in all of us that when we're facing problems and issues, there's this thing inside of us that wants to say, I can do this. I can change it. I can overcome it. There's something inside of us that says, I've gotten myself into this mess, so I'm sure I can get myself out of it. The problem is when something has control of our lives, we can't. You're in the mess because you're out of control, and so you're you're not going to be able to get out of it on your own. Listen to what Paul says when he was when he had gotten himself into somewhat of a mess in Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight through nine. Paul says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, check this, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. Who raises the dead. He said we stopped relying on ourselves. See, Paul had to get to a point where he admitted he was powerless. So that God could help him overcome his situation. See, admitting we are powerless, it's, it's the hardest step, but it's necessary. See, as long as we think we can do it on our own, we will keep trying and never ask for help. And this is a very, very dangerous place to be because this is where the most damage can happen. See, in order for the Holy Spirit to give us self-control, we must get to the point where we say, God, I'm absolutely powerless. I need your help. When we will admit and say, I'm powerless, when we, when, at that point, that is the moment we are ready to receive God's help. So we must admit that we are powerless. Uh, an area in my life that, that used to be out of control was my temper. Uh, anger, my anger, literally, it controlled me. It was out of control. And, and I can look all the way back to middle school. I can remember instances where uh, anger just took over me and just caused cra- me to do crazy things. And I can remember one thing uh, where, where my anger really got the best of me was I was, I was giving into another addiction, which was video games. And... Uh, was rocking the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Some of you might, some of you are like, I remember the Atari. And, uh, but uh, anyway, playing some video games. I was playing a friend, and pretty competitive. We're playing this basketball game, and, and I'm just getting mad. Like every time I miss a shot or a layup, I'm getting mad. And, and when he does something good, I'm getting upset. And, and this game was weird. I can't remember the name of it, but it, for some reason, these older games had like these glitches where there was a certain spot on the court that you could go to, and you were always guaranteed to make the shot. And I'm not even talking about, it's like on the other side of half court. I mean, it's like, it's like something ridiculous, okay? And so, you know, we're going, and I'm losing, and I'm getting upset, and a couple times I kicked the walls, and getting upset, and, and so we're coming to the end of the game, and I'm, I'm up by two, and I'm like, yeah, you know, and, 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 and so he's got the ball with a few seconds left, and so he, he's like behind half court, and he chucks up this shot, and I'm thinking, yeah, I won, and it swishes. He had gotten one of them little glitch spots and swished it over half court, tried to beat me. And so I'm like, what? I'm like, man, that is bogus. I'm, you know, I'm getting mad. I'm screaming. And I go to kick the wall again. And I'm like, Kloom. and my foot stayed in the wall. Kicked a hole in the wall. You know you have anger problems if it causes you to kick a hole through a wall. And so I'm sitting there, foot in the wall. Pull it out, and I'm like, oopsie. And so what did I do? I didn't want to get in trouble. So, again, I was in middle school. I hopped on my bike, and I rode it to Lowe's. And uh, a car would probably take about 10 minutes. Who knows how long it took me to ride my bike there. But 
got some stuff to plaster up a hole and so got back and again I was in middle school so I didn't really know how to do that either so it didn't work so I just put a poster over it and <laughs> it was all good and until we moved and then I got in big trouble who my anger controlled me enough to kick a hole through a wall uh, earlier years in high school uh, I still had the addiction to video games and this time uh, I was playing Madden with a friend and this was one of those games where, like, you know, we had been playing, going back and forth, beating each other, but they were somewhat close. Well, this was just like a slaughter, and I was not on the good side of it. He was destroying me. It was one of those games, like, every pass I threw was intercepted. Every time I had the ball, I fumbled. He's throwing, like, 90-yard touchdown passes, and he is just destroying me, okay? And so I am getting madder and mad. Every interception, ooh, I'm getting so mad, and, and, and he's just killing me. And my friends are all making fun of me, like, what? you're getting killed and he's like on his way to 100 points and so this is bad because i don't know what it is about 100 points but i don't want to get 100 points scored on me and i got like 40 or 50 because this is really really bad and so i'm getting mad my friends are making fun of me i'm getting madder and madder and 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 he's got like 92 and i think i'm in the clear and something happened another interception or fumble and there's like a few seconds left and he's got the ball like on the 10 yard line and they're like oh man you can score 100 on him score a touchdown to get two points i'm like dude you better not score 100 on me and they're like yeah and all my friends are like do it do it do it so he throws this like ridiculous hail mary pass 100 you know 90 yard touchdown catches it they're like oh he's gonna score 100 points. and i'm just mad i said if you score 100 points to me i'm gonna break your game he said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I will. I said, I promise you, you score 100 points on me, I'm going to open and I'm going to break your game. He said, you're going to buy me a new one? No, I'm not. You score 100 points, I'm going to break your game. And I'm dead serious. And so I don't know if I just picked a good defensive play or if he really feared that I was going to break his game, but I stopped him. Didn't score 100 points, praise Jesus. That would have been like in Guinness Book of World Records or something. Just most embarrassing. Someone scored 100 points on you. But and you know you got a, a, an anger issue. Anger controls your life. What I'm willing to break someone's game. It's like a $50 game. Break it. Because I'm getting mad and upset. And and I, I probably would have broken. I don't know. I'm glad he didn't score the 100 points. That, that would have been even worse. But I had his anger issues. And then later on in high school, I had a friend that we went to Taco Bell and uh, this friend was one of those friends that was kind of a mooch. You maybe have friends like that. They just always borrowing money or, or the kind of friend that goes out to eat with people, but they're like, oh, I'm not going to get nothing, and they just wait to see what you don't finish. And they're like, yeah, can I get some of that? Yeah, one of those. Yeah. So, so he, he's been like this for a while. And so I don't know why, but we're at Taco Bell, and I guess stuff had just kind of built up. And uh, he already got hooked up with some Taco Bell. And then he goes ask somebody to get him some hot sauce. And I don't know why, but the hot sauce, it sets me off. And so he's like, hey, I said, man, go get your own hot sauce. He's like, what? He's like, don't worry about me. I said, dude, if you don't get your own hot sauce, I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to leave you at Taco Bell. He's like, no, you won't. I said, I promise you, if you don't get up and get your own hot sauce, I'm going to leave you at Taco Bell. See, that was crazy. I was going to off my hot sauce. He's like, whatever, somebody else got his hot sauce. Guess what? I left my friend at Taco Bell. Not only that, but the other friends that are with me, they're like, man, Chris, that's messed up, man. I'm staying with him. If, if you're going to leave him, you're going to leave me. Guess what? I left all three of my friends at Taco Bell. <laughs> Anger had control of my life. I know some of you are thinking, how did you have friends? Who want to hang out with you? You break your friends' games, you leave them at Taco Bell, kick a hole through a wall. I'm going to want to hang out with you. And, Man, I had anger. I had anger issues. And so, 
Man, when I gave my, my heart to the Lord, how do you know that when, when you give your life to Jesus, you don't all of a sudden get like this halo and become perfect? You know, you, you still got issues, still had things. And so even though I gave my heart to Jesus, I, anger still controlled my life. And this time we're at a church outreach and I'm a youth leader. OK, I'm supposed to be leading people to Jesus and making them feel welcome and comfortable and shaking hands and greeting. And, well, you know, here I am and I, I still have anger issues and uh my ex-girlfriend happened to come to the outreach, and she brought her new boyfriend. So, uh, having you know, that's a recipe for disaster right there. Me with anger problems, ex-girlfriend, her new boyfriend. He doesn't know Jesus. I do. We get in a little talk, and all of a sudden, I'm screaming across the whole outreach. You mother of a I'm going to get you. So you ah! And people just like, oh, I ain't coming back to this church. These people are crazy. I'm supposed to be leading people to Jesus, welcoming them. And I'm talking about fighting this dude and screaming and yelling. My youth pastor pulled me and said, man, what is wrong with you? And this was like, I had like my breaking point. I, I, I sat there and I was so embarrassed. I'm like, this is, re- I can't even control myself. And I remember, I just started, I was like, oh, I need help. I just, I, I just broke down. I was like, this is out of control. And that was my moment. That was my breaking moment where I said, you know what? I'm powerless. And I have dealt with this thing since I was young, through, uh, you know, middle school, high school. Now I'm a Christian. I'm going to go to Bible college, and I'm trying to fight some dude at a church outreach. He doesn't know Jesus. Who knows if you ever going to come to Jesus now because of what I did. And so it was that breaking point. I had to get to that point. I had to finally admit, okay, I am powerless. And when I did that, when I was able to do that, that allowed the Holy Spirit then to come and start to work in my life and give me some self-control over my anger. See, only when we realize how utterly powerless we are will we be ready to put everything into the hands of God. See, at the, mo- at the point of, utter, uh, uh, of feeling powerless, that is the point where we are truly ready for an intervention. That is the point we are truly re- ready for help, which, which leads to the second step we must take. Once we admit that we are powerless and we can't do this on our own, the second step what we must do is we must surrender our lives to God. We must surrender our lives to God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, He said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus paid a great price to free us of the thing that we can't control. And many of us believe that Jesus offers that, but believing it doesn't empower us. See, the power gets activated when we embrace Him as our leader and we surrender our life to Him. See, we will miss out on what's available every day of our life until we surrender control of our life to God. Till we say, God, I I have a problem I can't control. I've got a problem with food. I've got a problem with drugs, with spending, with sex, with my schedule, with relationships, any one of these things. I am powerless. I am out of control. And today I give up and I surrender control of my life to you. And so that's the next step to surrender it to him. Obviously, having an anger problem, you can imagine that another part of my life that was out of control was my mouth and my tongue. I had a pretty foul mouth. It was pretty dirty. There was not enough soap in the United States to clean out my mouth. And I know because my mom tries to use it all and uh, it didn't work too well. But she would squirt that little liquid soap. And that's the worst because you've you got to try to cup it on your tongue or it just starts going down your throat. And it's, it's just real nasty. But I just didn't work too well. I had a foul mouth. Man, I, man, I cuss out anything. I cuss out dogs. I cussed out friends, people I didn't know, and I'm sure from the stories you heard earlier, I cussed out video games. That's right. I told those video games off. I was cussing them out something fierce. I really hurt their feelings. No, I didn't. I mean, I mean, 
Again, there's a problem when you're cussing out a controller in a game that can't even respond to you, you know. I had issues. My mouth was completely out of control. I had one day I cussed out God playing basketball, and it was real windy. And God was messing up my shot with his wind. And so I just started cussing out God, and my friends just started backing away from me. They're like, dude, you're going to get struck with lightning, man. I ain't even playing, Chris. You need to go on somewhere. You going to hell, dude. I can't believe you talking to God like that. And obviously, the Lord had some patience with me that day. I, I appreciate it. But, and it was such a part of my life. It controlled me to the point where, again, where I gave my heart to Jesus again. It's not like all of a sudden God gave the holy soap and put it on my tongue and it cleaned it up. No, I, I still had, that was one of the hardest things to quit because foul language had become a habit. It I didn't realize I did it. I'd be at friend's house and I'd be talking and their parents would be right there and I'd bust out a cuss word and they'd be like, yo, man, what are you doing? I'd be like, what? You just cussed in front of my parents. I did. I didn't even realize it. It becomes such a part of me. It was such a habit. And so I had to surrender my tongue to God. I had to say again, admit I'm powerless and then say, okay, God, I, I give you my tongue. What do I need to do to obey you? What do I need to do to get rid of this foul language? And, and, and honestly, I don't know how God does it for other people. Me, he kind of gave me like substitute words. And, and they weren't great words either, but they were better than the words that I was saying. And then the substitute words, then those kind of went away. And gradually, because I surrendered my tongue to God, he was able to help me clean up my language. And so I had to surrender my tongue. And, and I still do today. See, when we surrender, we give God control of our life. And once we do that, He will help us overcome the dominating forces that want to inch their way back into our life. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, well then what's my problem? I've done that. I've admitted I'm powerless. I've surrendered to God and the Holy Spirit. Why am I still losing the battle with my habit? Why can't I stop doing drugs, the alcohol, the pornography, the spending, my mouth, my temper, my, my workaholism? Why can't I control it? And the answer is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says, how foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, this is what happens. We trust Christ to set us free, and then we try to stay free all by ourselves. And so often what happens then is we just slip right back into the old patterns trying to overcome with our own strength, our own willpower, and our own human effort. And what Paul's saying is, he's, have you lost your senses? Have you forgotten? He's saying, don't you remember what set you free in the first place? He's saying, you admitted you were powerless, so why are you trying to do it in your own power once again? Check this. The same power that sets us free is the same power that can keep us free. The same power that sets us free is the same power that can keep us free. And you've got to understand, surrendering to God, it's not just like one service where you come and you say, God, I surrender, and you feel His peace and His comfort. You're like, woo now I'm good to go. And, and all of a sudden, God's going to start controlling how you walk and the way you talk and make you this robot that's just going to start living for Him. No, no. Surrendering to God means you're going to become more obedient to God. You're going to obey Him more because you're surrendering every aspect of your life. You're surrendering the situation. And you're saying, okay, God, I have an issue with my mouth. What do I need to do? How can I obey you so that I can overcome this area that's out of control? Okay, Lord, I, I, my alcoholism is out of control. What do I need to do? God's probably going to say, okay, first of all, you need to stop hanging out with people that drink. You need to stop going to the bars. And he, He's going to start laying things out there. And so you're surrendering Him. You're surrendering Him is really your obedience to Him. He's going, you know that best buddy of yours that you drink with all the time? You need to end that relationship. And that's where we find out if you're truly going to surrender to God, if you're truly going to obey Him. 
so that he can help you overcome whatever it is that is controlling your life. See, we, we admit that we are powerless and then we must surrender our lives to God. And then lastly, the third thing we must do is we must lean on others. We must lean on others. James chapter 5 verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, in 12-step groups, people find what's called a sponsor. And a sponsor is not just someone who sympathizes with their issue. It's not just someone who loves them and prays for them, but it's someone who has been there personally. And they talk honestly with each other about who they really are. A sponsor is someone that's, that's going to hold you accountable and ask you to tough questions and love you and, and, and introduce you to the forgiveness that you need. Now, right away, some of you thinking, thinking, man, there's no way I can't do that. I, I, I can't tell nobody that. There, there's no way. You know, we've we got this thing where we don't like people knowing our business. We don't want people up in, up in, our, in our lives and our problems. And, 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 and we don't want to tell people stuff. And we, we want to keep it all private because we don't want nobody in our business. And, and this is why so many people who get set free by Christ go back into the thing that has them all tangled up and in bondage. Because they can't follow God's leading and God's teaching to put themselves around other people who can give this kind of support to them. See, we all have issues and areas that are out of control. Therefore, we can all support and help each other. Now understand, we don't just tell anybody and everybody. We tell somebody who we can trust. We tell someone who can hold us accountable. Show us God's forgiveness. We don't tell anybody and everybody. We just tell somebody. Here at People's Church, we have hundreds of people who are in these kinds of environments on a regular basis where they can get this kind of support. A place where you'll be protected and grow in your relationship with God. And this is one of the values that many people around People's Church have found in a community group. Because we don't want anybody to stand alone. We want to be a family. We want to group people together so that we can support and lean on one another. And people have found safe relationships where they assist each other and help each other in our community groups. I think Bill Withers said it best. Because we all need somebody to lean on, lean on me. Come on. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Yeah, I, I could go off on that song, you know. Don't have us a little, have us a little deal in here. But Shelby got to sing a couple weeks ago, and so I felt left out. So I felt like I need to do my song, and we're gonna find out which one of the pastors can sing the best. And I hope I get your vote. No, <laughs> we all need somebody to lean on. We all need support from others that God wants to use in our lives. And for some of you this morning, the best next step you could take would be to put yourself in a community group where there are others that God can work through to bring you support, where God can then also use you to bring others support. It's the next best step. Every week we have our community group table. I encourage you, if you aren't plugged in, there's many, many options. It's not like we force you in anywhere. You choose where you want to go. I pray you would all find a place where you can lean on someone. We must 
lean on others. In closing, I've, I've found in many messages that I've preached that as I study for them, that, that God is always revealing things in my life that I need to apply and, and to work through. And just so happened with this message, the, the whole message Friday night just came, came to front with me. It just all kind of came into place in, a, in an area of my life that I need to apply it to. And um, it, it, was, it was somewhat shocking to me, and, and it was kind of crazy. And uh, I even questioned, man, should I share this with people? But I feel like I need to. And uh, really the thing is, is that I need to confess, I, I am a foodaholic. <laughs> I love to eat. Matter of fact, I live to eat instead of eating to live. And a couple of weeks ago, I went in for a routine uh, physical where, you know, I take your blood and they, you know, see where you're at, your cholesterol and, and different things. And uh, Friday night when I got back in, I, I got the report. And uh, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't good. And uh, as I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm like, man, I, this has got to change. Some things have to change. And I started thinking through my life and how... To be completely honest with you, throughout my life, I've, I've struggled with gluttony. I, I love eating. I love food. I, I can be full, but if there's a food that I like, I'm full. And you put some ribs in front of me, I just want to eat some more. You know, or I try to eat it as fast as I can because I like it so much. And so, um, b- because of that, then, you know, my, my health in certain areas is not where it should be. And I was thinking through my life and how I've struggled, and I was like, wow, God, I'm I'm powerless. Started going through the message. I'm powerless. I've tried to control this thing and I haven't. It's been probably more out of control than it has been controlled. And so, in that moment of confession, of finally saying, okay, I'm powerless. I can't do this, I I, I went to the next step and I said, God, I I surrender my eating to you. I surrender this to you, God. I, I, I don't want this to end my life earlier. I don't want this to get in the way of my relationship with you. And can I tell you that at that moment, I, man, just as with my anger and with my mouth and other areas where God has just given me his peace and comfort, I had it right then and there over this issue of eating. And it was just weird. But it was just, it just I knew in that moment that it's because I admitted it, I was powerless and I was surrendering to God. I knew right then and there, man, that God was giving me just some comfort and saying, I'm going to help you through this. You are going to overcome this. You are going to be able to turn this around. And, then, and it really it turned into an, a, a joy and an excitement. And I was just like... Phew. Thank you, Jesus. And then I went to the third step. The next morning when I woke up, I, had, I have to lean on others. I, I, I showed Jamie the results of my tests. And I said, babe, you know, this has got to change. I've got to start changing some of my eating habits. It's controlling me. And so we, we kind of laid out a plan. And, and I'm going to tell others. And, and I'm going to tell my mom. She's always on my case. She'll be, she'll be asking me every week what's going on. And, uh, and, and, and so I need that accountability. I need others that I can lean on. But this was very eye-opening for me to the point where I was like, well, let me look it up. I've heard gluttony and I've probably joked about it more than I've ever really thought about it. And I, I just did a search for the word and I found this in Proverbs 23, 2, and it was very eye-opening. It says, put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. I don't know what that says to you, but to me in that moment when I read that, I said, Lord, if, I know what you're trying to tell me. If I don't get a hold of this, this is going to end my life. And I don't want it to. I want to live my life as long as you want me to. I want to honor you through this. I want to be there for Jamie. I want to be there for Jace. See, for the Holy Spirit to give us self-control, we must admit that we are powerless. 
We must surrender our lives to God and we must put ourselves in environments where we can lean on others for their support. And I believe this morning God wants to do a powerful work in your life if you have an area that's out of control. If you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray, Father.